Can you help me build my mud brick house? You're going to build one? Oh, if you build one, I might build one. Because if, if I give you a hand building yours... Yeah, that's, be, the, that's the idea. I could go and build one too. Yeah, everybody... Uh, Three little pigs went to Hurstbridge. <laughs> Very popular spot. I, in fact, I was so annoyed, the weekends I got sick, um, right at the beginning, on the Sunday, I was all arranged to go up and help somebody build their mud brick house. Oh, I'd really like to do that. Yeah, they that, that make appeals. They're actually uh, mm. making the mud bricks and, and laying mm. some of them. Oh, I'll be in that. I mean, it'd be so interesting yeah. just to see how it was done because yeah. it's so cheap. That's right. I've seen mud brick house, actually been in, into mud brick house. You've got to buy a block of land, that's the trouble. Oh, well, that's... I'll uh, just save all over again. <laughs> yes. I don't think they would have allowed it in your place. No, um, no. building regulations come into it. Actually, the block of land out there should be cheaper because it's not residential, really, uh, and all that yeah, sort of thing. even perhaps further out, I think it will get... Because that's a pretty popular area. Yeah, you can go it's miles It's becoming trendy. No. certainly is terribly so. Eltham's a, not a very nice place. I mean, I don't really like it. I actually haven't been there for a long time. It's beautiful to look at. Like, it's beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful area. But um, it seems to be full of... Yes. ...those types. What are those types? People are going to bash you. Really? Yeah. Getting that way. Heidelberg always has been, of course. I, I didn't realise Eltham was. Heidelberg, I mean, Eltham's next door to Heidelberg. Of course, we're generalising, folks. If there's anyone Sorry. out at Eltham or Heidelberg listening, <laughs> we don't mean you. I know people in Hurstbridge, Cottlesbridge and Greensboro, but nothing in the middle. Hmm. Uh, Heidelberg's not really next door to Eltham. It's about ten miles further on or something. Oh, Heidelberg's famous for its its louts. rock dancers and, and bash-ups and louts oh, and... Pensioners being set fire to and inflammatory <laughs> <laughs> exercise. Yeah. Well, the way you excuse me for laughing if any pensioners are listening, because I certainly don't mean any disrespect. Maybe you should give up. If you're on fire, put yourself out immediately. Mm. It's dangerous. What an unhealthy habit to get into. Mm. Um, Too old to smoke. I've, I've been in uh, mud brick houses mm. that have been the most absolutely nicest places you could possibly imagine. Mm. Well, just looking at and really done out well in secondhand just looking at Hurstbridge, you know, around that area, um, you could live in a tent there and be perfectly happy. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> just oh, like making just your own dwelling, though, of that sort of thing. I'll let it add so, to it. So satisfying. Yeah. Oh, the point I was just going to make, I've been in ones that have been so nice, and co- I spoke to the people who built them, mm. and one cost about $5,000 to build, and it was just the most amazingly beautiful place uh, to live in. Anybody, mm. I'm sure, would say that it would eat $30,000 mm. well, of course if you went if you sort of went to that trouble to build a place like that yourself you'd be really enthused to dig it out inside yeah and make it make it sort of match well make it yours yeah that's right you'd, you'd make things to go in it if you couldn't buy things um, you'd make things and do little paintings and little bits of wood nail together anything you know you'd sort of make it into a little paradise one place that I went to, which was made by a rather famous bloke out there who uh, sort of started Spider. the whole thing. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. Um, he had... What did he have? They were the... It's a really great idea. He was going past a, a church one day, mm. and it was being renovated, and out the front were all the pews out of this church. Yeah. And he suddenly realised a perfect use for them. What? Can you imagine what he turned them into? Pews. Um, Pews. Obviously not couches. 
Toilet seats. <laughs> no, you, only, you don't need many of those. He had a lot, you see. Uh, oh, he, bought, he, had, he, he got a whole stack. Oh, he, he bought a whole stack of them because they were you know, really cheap, of course, being decades and decades no, old. No, I can't work that one out. They were going to get firewood or something because they were, they were beautiful wood, but mm. for some reason they did, didn't suit. He um, turned them into a door. It was a folding door. Um, the what? Whole, whole length dividing one big room from another big room. Hmm. And used the main seat part. They must have been quite... No, the back part. And they were beautifully engraved and things. And just used that back part and hinged them all and made a sort of a, a concertina door out of them. The back part? Well, the, the rest, backrest part. Yeah. Which would be the widest... Bit of wood. Wood of wood. Ah, oh, um, good God. And it was about 20 feet long. No, it'd be longer than that. About 25 feet long. Hmm. Uh, two sort of halves. And you could either make a great big room or two smaller rooms. And the wood itself was about two inches thick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was such a tremendous wall and it looked beautiful because it was a whole wall of wood. Mm. This beautifully polished, um, varnished wood. Be spooky. So um, I was a great use for it. Having a wall made out of old coffins. Cool. Uh, hopefully another chance will come up about houses because, of course, we're helping and doing people a favour. So the chances do come up. Uh, and usually pretty nice people I got. Mm. And they had a nice barbecue the occasion before the one I was going to go to. So the next occasion, you'll, I'll tell you and you can come. Yeah, I'll be really interested in that one. Um, it'll be a lovely day out too, because they, the first day I chose a beautiful day and uh, mm. it would have been really lovely. That would really tempt me to go and buy another block of land. Really would. A lot of people um, have just made that of their ambition. We're talking with ambitions with Beattie before about doing that and actually creating your own dwelling. And actually, this, this might surprise you, or it might, might not. Mm-hmm. Um, Mum had the same idea. That surprises me. Building a mud house. Why did she? Oh, we were just talking about um, Hurstbridge. Yeah. <coughs> a friend of ours <coughs> built a, a luxury dwelling out there. Um, a guy who's sort of, you know, got a lot of money. Sort of a semi-relative of ours, and um, he drives trucks, does he? Mm-hmm. Trucks. Oh, sorry, he's a semi-relative. <sighs> anyway, uh, he built this really beautiful place out there, and it's on a hill and all the rest of it. And um, I was sort of talking about what I'd seen of the place when I was giving. Actually, only gave her a lift home once, I think, um, down to Hurstbridge. And um, just sort of one thing led to another, and uh, I think she mentioned mud houses. Pretty sure she did. Like, that place is sort of relatively famous for those, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. I'm pretty sure. pretty sure I'm not just confusing it with you, having mentioned it before. It's not. It is, it is very famous because it, it actually is... They're approved by a local town council. Mm. For example, if you tried to build one in Caulfield... Nobody'd listen to you. It's it's weird. The whole structure of building is weird. Um, here in in Victoria, the most common sort of houses built a brick veneer, which is just a wooden framework which supports the roof. With well, that'd be all right if brick, the bri- if the bricks were cheap. If brick it was, outside, brick veneer outside. You know, I wouldn't mind building my own out of that or mud. No, but well, if the bricks, you know, were 
Oh, the big advantage is building them out of mud, though. But, well, on, if, if you make the mud thick enough... Hang really... on, I'll, I'll come to... I'm just sort of doing a survey. Um, but that's in Victoria, or Melbourne. Oh, fair enough. Um, brick veneer most popular. I gather in South Australia, double brick are most popular. Oh, yeah. And A.V. Jennings, which make <coughs> um, a certain building company, I was just reading the paper the other day, who make the most number of houses, I gather. Mm. Um, what, in both states? or I, I gather so, yeah. Mm. Um, have, have... Don't have any double brick designs on their books in Melbourne because there's no call for them. Mm. Although they're still being built without that company. And in Adelaide, that's what they mainly build. Yeah. And it's just a, a fascinating difference in... Well, the culture, the culture of the place is just different. They, they made a little, an interesting cost estimate of differences in cost between a double brick house and a brick veneer house. Because in a, say, double brick house, you, of course, can use the inner brick li- inner bricks as an actual lining. Mm. And that saves a lot on cost. Now, double brick houses are much better than brick veneer, is all I can think. Of course, from insulation... Well, I would have thought so, from an insulation point of view, soundproofing point of view, you know, everything. Strength and everything. When you want a house, a house is basically protection... But that uh, and the, the basic difference in cost was about five percent greater for the what? double brick house. Really? It was ridiculous. It My was, God! It was just a ridiculous, ridiculously small difference. Oh, I suppose when you think about it, most of the cost is in labour, isn't it, for the house in building it? Uh, the actual components—it's like anything else. The component yeah, cost is. I think, I think about sixty-seventy percent would be labour. Mm, at least. At least. Yeah. At least, because um, you know, sixty thousand for a house—I can't imagine there'd be that many dollars worth of bricks in it. Or cement. Oh, certainly the bricks, but also um, the fact that you were able to get rid of some interior linings, um, which tend to oh, be yeah, expensive. Oh, yeah, they offset things a bit too. Mm. And, uh, Actually, bricks um, for an interior lining could look quite nice. Oh, some houses you know, some don't sorts, anything else. Some sorts of bricks yeah. you know, look really pleasant. Uh, I, I would like to point out that if there are anybody in listening who knows more about architecture than I do, and I'm saying some wrong things, I'm only starting, so I'll, I'll know more next time. Um, that's just by the way. Um, oh, that's quite... Yeah, oh, quite and what was the third point? Oh, well, mud bricks are very thick. They always are. Yeah, well, that's, you'd obviously get better insulation because, yeah. they, because they have to be so thick. They are incredibly easy to make and don't cost anything except you have to get a mould. I have lived in a mud brick house. Have you? Yeah. I mean, stayed there during my holidays. I haven't. I've I've been in them, but I've never. The bricks were enormous. They were about. Um, ooh, I think they would have been nearly a foot high, about one and a half, nearly two feet long. How deep? Well, they would have been, you know, proportionally deep, of course. I actually have never. I was quite amazed when I got up to this place where I was <laughs> headed for and found it was mud brick. Did they? How do they protect the outside? Do they sort of have a rendering of? Uh... Well, the, the back. I just didn't remember the back had quite a long veranda over it. I think the front did too. I'm not sure, actually, just coming to think of it. It's pretty important to have... Protection. Um, ...overhanging Yeah, eaves. otherwise your house washes away. Yes. But if you do have overhanging eaves and a sort of a, a rendering material on the outside just to... A rendering of what? Um, well, one of them, some I've seen have just used mud. <laughs> but it's sort mm-hmm. of a... Um, it cakes on. It sort of gets a lot harder than the bricks. Well, the bricks get very hard. Yeah. But um, this material 
tends to... I, I think probably a bit of cement mixed with it as well. Oh, I was going to say. Cause so, it, but it's only the outside rendering. Mm. Um, here I'm, again, not working on the adequate enough knowledge. But just slightly overhanging eaves just stops the driving rain hitting it. Mm. And anything else just runs off. So it does become a, a perfectly safe dwelling. I mean, any thoughts of washing away a bit silly. Mm. Again, the houses in Australia are so badly designed. Overhanging eaves and verandas just help the thermal aspects, the insulation aspects of the house so much. Mm. And of course, the old traditional Australian house, which is actually one my father's living in, uh, is veranda all round, uh, with fairly well designed so that in the summer, the high sun is protected by the veranda. In the winter, the low sun comes under and warms the house. Sort mm. of a, a basic concept in... Where did I read or right. hear somewhere that the veranda was something peculiarly Australian? I, I believe that's so, yeah. Like, there's people, if you mention the word to an American, he says, a what? Oh, and, I, I didn't know the word was. I know that... Yeah, I think the, even the, the word. Design it is. I think even the word. But, I mean, the word, I mean, there's plenty of words that are peculiarly Australian. But um, mm-hmm. the, the, the concept of veranda certainly being particularly Australian. Yeah, I think, I think they'd be likely to be able to have a sort of a first floor balcony, but not a... A the old Australian homestead. But, I mean, you know, our house up at East Malvern, my grandmother's place, had quite a nice veranda, and every house in the street had a front veranda of sorts. And um, you just take it for granted. You just don't think about it, you know, veranda. My house, this house has got a veranda. Your house, that, the house you're in at the moment, has got a veranda. Yeah, it's just part of a house. You can't really imagine a house without one, except these little ones down in Middle Park or something. But I must ask my friends who went on an archie trip to America where they noticed it. Yeah. So maybe the people that oh, I, I just sort of seem to remember that from somewhere that um, somebody said that to me and I just sort of gaped because um, it seemed incredible. It was like saying, you know, in America we our houses don't have rooms or, or, or windows or, or something equally incredible. That's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, mud, oh, we're just sort of mud bricks versus normal bricks. I think you also have to lay less of them. And yeah, because they're ten times as big. Yeah, I think they'd certainly be stronger because they're bigger. Oh, I don't know about that because you'd have to compare the structural oh, strength. Well, again, I don't know how exactly they're built because I've never seen any plans of one or anything. Um, Actually, I can imagine if you put one in a crusher, I think the mud brick would go first. Oh, yeah, but remember, they're all operating... Uh, yeah, I, I, we better stop the conversation. Yeah, there, no, like, it's just a sure. miscellaneous aside. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, um, from all points of view, I think you'd prefer to build a mud brick house than an all brick house. Oh, hell yeah. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future about that. Well, it's some, it's, I mean, partly it's interesting because you made them yourself, so just buying them is partly interesting. The insulation aspect's very attractive. I mean, the only thing against it, really, and of course financially it's very attractive, yeah. The only thing against it is the possibility of, of waking up and finding your house all washed away. Oh, well, there's no possibility of that. But if you put overhanging things so that it keeps the water off... Well, I mean, if you... And the rendering. We're talking about designing a house, and there's just no possibility of something mm. as... Well, if you design it, that. you won't have any. Um, I suppose it really came down to it. The, in my interest in architecture, and in a way the school that I go to, the interest in it, is towards sensible architecture, which is a sort of low-energy, uh, low-cost, um, low-ugliness mm-hmm. sort of idea. And this, uh, the idea of um, thermal insulation 
uh, is such a, an important one, which is so overlooked. Most of the houses around here are built like brick I suppose, houses. Yeah. And they all, they all have their air conditioning plant on top mm. and huge glass areas. Mm. And they just pour a thousand well, kilowatts and kilowatts of energy in all day to keep the thing at the right temperature. Yeah, too. Yes, a number of house studies undertaken in other parts of the world, and also in Australia, called well, autonomous housing, in other words, sort of putting the house by itself, trying to separate it from other energy sources. And it, it's such a fantastically neat idea using um, solid surfaces to store heat and let it out at appropriate times of the day, using the fact that heat rises and cold doesn't and falls and um, walls facing north will get most of the sun and so on. Yeah. And just actually heating a house by the sun and having it built so that it won't get hot when it shouldn't. And houses built like that on such simple principles mm. that could be followed easily in normal houses that mm. just aren't done. And it sounds like the ordinary houses have sort of followed, to some extent, followed along Parkinson's law. Yeah, well, that, that's. In all respects, it's just sort of you know, become less and less efficient. Uh, and no one cares about it because, well, you know, as long as they're prepared to pour the extra money in to get it built, it doesn't really matter if it's less efficient. I think also the point about the um, difference in standards between states brings out that it's not a sensible influence that's doing it. It's a sort of a, a random local council and I just, I really don't know why the brick veneer versus double brick thing has come to play, come to pass because... Hmm. You know, yeah, it's really odd, isn't you'd it? I think it was to do with. You'd uh, think brick veneer would be saving money. Yeah, and it's not. It's only got half the number of bricks, but. Um, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to think of a reason why something like that would happen. And it, it can only be the people who are doing it. There must be just a, a greater market for brick veneer houses down here. And the reason can only be the people think that that's what's right. Especially in Melbourne, where you get these incredible extremes of temperature, where, you know, you, you yeah. can get up tomorrow and it's 120, you know, 40 degrees Celsius almost. 120 is 50 degrees Celsius. Is it? Yes. Good heavens. Well, that's, I never thought, 50 degrees Celsius? Yes. That's halfway to boiling. Well, look, you're 37. 100, 120. You're 37, and that's 98. Oh, you're 120 is halfway to boiling too. <laughs> yeah, it is too. Yeah. No, 120 is very close to 50. I've been in 120 heat up in Mildura. Mm. I was up there. That's completely off the track. Yeah, it was different when you're up there for some reason. Oh, oh, to it's Melbourne. Not it's not as humid. It's not as humid. There's that 10% humidity, which is really... Yeah. It felt about 100, like it was 100. Yeah, exactly, and it's pleasant because your body breathes. I've oh, got terrible sunburn. Mm. Oh, this does anything really agony. Mm. And I, that's when I swam into the side of the swimming pool, too. What did you sort of faint halfway? Oh, no, it was sort of nice swimming pool in the caravan park mm. and the bottom of the swimming pool was painted the same colour as the water. Yeah. Um, and so I was just happily doing overarm, what's it called, um, freestyle. Yeah. From one end of the pool to the other. And I didn't realise there was a set of steps painted the same colour as the pool leading down into the water. Uh. So I quietly swam into a step. <laughs> because uh. I, was, I was expecting, you know how when you're swimming you put one arm out yeah. and you reach the end and then you stop. Yeah. So I... But I swam into the step before... Before you'd put your arm in. Yeah. Because they were quite large steps. Yes, mm. they painted a light, a light bluey colour. Yeah. Um, oh, how sensible. Yeah, it was really... 
Oh. Well, it makes the place look nice, but... Uh, <laughs> That's right, it, it would. It sort of helped. It made the pool seem a lot deeper because you couldn't necessarily see the bottom. I thought you were going to say you were in the middle of swimming and, and, and you had a stroke. Yes. It's the AML joke for the night. Yes, oh dear. So that um, hit me in the head, and of course, luckily it's my strongest point. Or something. It's an agar joke for the night. Right. It's a big joke for the night. I did have, I think I did. I think I was, was knocked out slightly, mm. and um, I was certainly shocked and had to have my feet put in the air. I have a rubbish tin, actually. What? And blood poured everywhere. What was it about a rubbish tin? Uh, <laughs> that's where they put me for the night. No, um, to, you need to elevate your feet to get maximum blood supply to the head when you've got shock. Oh. Because your blood vessels tend to contract, and so reduce the blood supply to the brain, which makes you faint and things. Yeah. So, this is a real exercise tonight, isn't it? Mm. So, um, just so you need to raise your legs, so I was lying on the ground, so they just stuck my feet on top of a rubbish tin. Oh. Sort of helped the blood supply. Yeah. Always yeah. good for a fainting person, I think. Yeah. <laughs> nearly, nearly fill up another tape here. Flying Doctor of the Air. Yeah, three-fifths of the way through the other tape, oh. through the other side, and that'll fill, bad. fill the whole tape up. Probably will. bad. Um, we'll certainly finish by the time... I mm. oh, don't worry about the tapers. Um, so there's houses. I'm not allowed to say um, I'm sorry I said it. Yes, I should get out of that habit. I keep doing it. I remember actually had to tape. Actually, that's when I was going through my little phase of... I mentioned I had a really nice New Year's Eve last New Year's Eve. Yeah. Um, well, this was another night, but it was also on the same same party. Hmm. Um, Would it last that long? Oh, it was a, it's a very small exclusive, but it was not a, a not a party. It was just a formal gathering mm. of not very many people. They're better. Oh yeah, it was. At those stage, it was a party. Mm. Actually, I think I had a bottle of champagne. I was drunk a few days later. Somebody's parents went on a holiday. Yes. Um, anyway, um, and I just happened to be somewhere else and have my. This is when I just bought my radio cassette recorder, and a certain person had an interesting transmission so I taped it all mm. and that was you uh, and you were talking about people's voices oh yeah and so I, I taped it and it went on for hours and hours and hours mm. and uh, I just turned the cassette over where appropriate mm. and um, didn't listen to it and listened to it afterwards it was really quite interesting um, you were talking about my mother's school of languages and <laughs> I remember that yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 160 metre announcing school that's, that's labelled as I was very shocked about that were you? because I never thought of my mother in that way. I mean, I never thought that my mother might have had that much influence on the way I speak. Hello, you're next. Hello, you're next. Yeah. Um, but of course, in the light of your comments, I realised just how much influence, and of course your mother has an influence on the way you speak, mm. but I never actually thought of it. So it was quite interesting from that point of view. That's an interesting point. I suppose the same thing would have happened to me, because people say I sound like, you know, similar to my mother. Um, hmm, interesting. Oh, just the intonations and things. Mm. Well, mannerism. Yes, the mannerisms. Mannerisms. Oh, there's another thing about my household. The two ladies in the household yeah. have swapped mannerisms. Or they Which household? My cult one. Oh. They, their mannerisms have blended. Oh, yeah. And 
you'll be, I hope you meet them both together, because I'd like your comments. It is just quite weird. Well, I can hardly remember Jules. Uh, it doesn't matter, because if I tell you that um, they, were, they weren't similar when they first met, hmm. because I knew Jules long before Vicky. Maybe that means they've both got weak personalities. Uh, yeah, I'll, look, I won't go into it. I'll, 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 I'll go into it more deeply when I speak to you, yeah, because that yeah. is very interesting. Yeah, okay. And um, not necessarily that, but other, other facets. I mean, interesting study of human relations. You're becoming like Dan. Good evening, Dan, if you're listening. How, what's he up to now? He's got his Channel D rig going on receive, so he could be listening to you, but he can't transmit because his transmit rock's broken. Oh, well, he's listening. He on 160 anyway, that's where you'd be listening. Mm. Um... What's he doing now? He just deferred. Because oh. all the problems that were occurring were just a bit much. That's a pity. It's sort of a, a habit, isn't it? Not. He was going quite well until about uh, a month or so back. Yeah. He was sort of struggling away and getting on top of it and getting behind and getting on top of it and going quite well. Had you seen him very much? Yeah, I saw him quite a bit when I was up at Baronia, of course. Oh, yeah. Because he was, you know, up there a fair bit. Yeah. And sometimes I'd drop in on Oakley. Is that still going well? What? Oh. Which? Dan and, uh... Uh... Oh. Not really. Oh. Not really. Anyway, um, where was I? You were in Oakley at the time. Oh, oh yes, I just... No, I just left Oakley. I just went back to Brony. Um, I mean, um, I was, you know, spent a fair bit of time with him and he was sort of coping quite well. How's, how's his health going? Oh, quite excellent. Oh, good. No worries that at all. That means we're all well. Yes. Uh, uh, oh, no, no. This is a very stupid exercise, you know. He sounds even deeper than I do. But he's talking on two metres at the moment. Somebody so once said, and I was most annoyed, that I didn't have a deep voice. And oh. my mas- I felt my masculinity was immediately at stake. You, you put your hands down. said, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. pardon. That actually was talking on ACQ with Richard. That's right. I remember Richard. Same year as you. That's right. He was a year ahead of me. Hmm. I wonder what he's doing now. Well, as far as I know, he's doing fifth year med. Oh, that's right. He went in the med. So yeah, he would have given, given ham radio a complete miss. Well, well, actually, I did see him. I met him at the market. I go to the Vicky Market every second week. Yeah. And uh, met him there, and he was going quite well. He was... Um, that was... About April, I He's think. done his first operation? I don't know what happens. I don't think he would have, no. <laughs> but um, he was... I don't think they really do very many operations, occasional appendix or something. Mm. But he had, he seemed to be going fairly well. And by, that, by the stage, by the time we reached that stage, you're pretty certain of becoming a doctor, yeah. of course. Well, that was back in the real old days. I remember that. ACQ. Yeah. Richard. And he me? turned up at the door one day. I think that was just after I'd met you. Oh, no. Well, almost. I, no, 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 so. no. I, I met you when I was in third form, which was when I was 14. Oh. And Richard, um, that was when I, that, well, if you want to know our history, how we met, it was, I had a, that's right, the violence in the background, please. 
had a um, my little tape recorder, which I've still got. A little reel-to-reel, -reel, two and three quarter inch tape recorder. Uh, some inches. And uh, I was I had that going as an intercom using the, that unit itself as an amplifier going intercom to various rooms in the house. So I had the whole house bug. I was you know a real bugger. So. Pardon? Oh, oh like yeah. Nixon. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So I. Um, I was listening to that one night and I heard this strange voice on it. I couldn't work it out because there was nobody in the dining room. And it turned out that because of it being a solid state thing and having all the long leads going to the, the speaker, which I was using as a microphone, mm -hmm. uh, I was picking you up. And that was my very first insight into amateur radio. Uh, I'd already visited the radio club at school, but I hadn't really participated. So after that, I went there and mentioned them to them. And they said, oh, well, look, this call sign up in the call book. And I found out where you were. Mm. And thereafter, I used to listen to you on my tape recorder. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> what, you kept playing the tape back? Oh, no, I was just using the tape recorder as an amplifier. Oh, fair so, enough, yes. Uh, just in record mode with nothing else going. Yes. And, and what did you do after that? Well, after that, I... Just lean back, just lean back a bit. I radio or worked out how to do it. Yes. But I could certainly hear you, and I think you were talking to Dan a lot in those days. Yes. that would have been in 19... 1970. Yes. Just seven years ago. Yes. And uh, you're talking to Dan a lot. And did you hear Dan on your intercom? Yes, because you were feeding him through. No, it wasn't. We used to operate simplex. Did you? Yes. Oh. I never operated duplex with Dan. I think you. I think I definitely heard him on your transmission at some stage, because I heard his voice. But that could oh. have been tape or something. Perhaps. Oh, it could have been. Yeah. Um. But no, I. I Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I might have operated um, duplex with him between 80 and 40, I beg your pardon. Between yes, what? you're quite right. He might have been on 80 or 40. Oh, I see. Mm. Uh, well, I, I sort of have a, only a dim memory of these occasions. Yes. Because then I eventually got the courage to walk around the place and find out where you were. It took ages to work out what street you were in. You were in. Why? That must have been before I... Uh, can't you breed? Are you illiterate? Oh, no, this was before I looked at the call book. Oh, you see. Oh, I see. Before I knew about the call book. Well, couldn't you see my gigantic tower poking yeah, up? For some reason, I thought you were in a street behind oh, where you got, were, because you, the, the tower's so much in your back garden. Mm. I didn't think it was in, in Park, Park street. street. I thought it was in the street behind. Oh, yeah. That's but, like me thinking I saw a tram turn into the Rostown Hotel. <laughs> Were you in the Rostown Hotel at the time? No, no, I was walking down the street. I was only about eight, seven or eight. Very young. <laughs> How many people No, it wasn't, wasn't the Rostown, it was McNamara's up near George's hamburger shop. Oh, of course. I was convinced that the tram went in between oh, the pub. Oh, hamburger, Tony. The, the, the tram went in between the pub and the Giggle Palace, uh, the, um, oh. the, the Crystal Palace, used to be the Crystal Palace Theatre, it's now Downard's Moving Place or something. I know what you mean. Down yes. near Caulfield Station. Yes, I know what you mean. And the I, I was standing near George's hamburger shop, which was in a pet shop or something. I don't know what it was in those days. We were waiting for a tram with my grandmother. Yes. And it was a rainy sort of a day. And I saw this tram. It turned into... It left the tracks. And it ran across the footpath and went in between McNamara's Hotel and the Crystal Palace. And I thought, that can't happen, because they're meant to stay on their rails. And whenever I went past there, I sort of looking for these tracks this third set of tracks I never did find them um why because 
I think I must have had a blackout or something because obviously a tram can't go between a pub and a and a thing when there's nothing there but a driveway. That's, I thought that's where it did actually have a track off to the side. There's two sets of tracks, one going around McMara's pub and the other ones go further on and then turn around the, the Crystal Palace yeah. for race day because on race day it's so packed with people that they have to have all these extra tracks. Right. But there wasn't a third set and I could have sworn that the track the tram went round on this third set that don't exist. Anyway, getting back to your thinking that my tower is in the wrong backyard. Oh, yes. Well, I thought your tower was in the wrong backyard, but I eventually uh, discovered where you actually were, mm. and I think I went there. That's right. I went there, and your mother answered the door and said, Tony's not in! Uh, which is vaguely reminiscent from the past seven years, but she said it at least once a year. Mm. So I said, oh, well, would you have a phone number that I could ring him up on please mm-hmm. it's a very small little voice probably a very high voice actually mm. uh, and she gave me a phone number 531229 because it's changed so that's alright yeah, yeah. and uh, I said cute and so I went back and I rang you up in a couple of days or something mm. and then can I come around and visit you and you said oh alright kid did I? oh you said alright oh <laughs> you wouldn't say alright kid yeah. Vocabulary. Oh, but I'm sure you, you know, there's another annoying little SWL coming to visit. So I went round and you were out, I think. So I waited in your shack uh, and I was absolutely amazed at the mess. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that it all could work. Everybody all. is. It's mm. incredible. People come here and they get such a shock when they see what, what they've actually been listening to. I, I couldn't believe that... Um, you know, it would all work. Mm. And I just sort of sat, sat on your bed or something and uh, waited until you arrived. Of course, most of the wires are patch cords. <laughs> yeah. But it looks rather hairy when Look, you... It, does, it hasn't changed in my memory no. over the last seven years, of course. No. It's just the same. Uh, and it, I always remember your, your cupboard as being a great contrast because they were usually closed, put very neatly in there. And obviously that's your mother's work. Yes, yes. And that was just... That was wrong. Yeah, it looked wrong. Mm. But Ronnie, you should get all those clothes out and throw them around the room. And yeah, well, the room looks much better now that we've done all that abstract plastering. <laughs> yeah, the spiderweb effect. Yeah. No, any good, fun, any good funnel webs recently. No, I haven't. No. I um, should paint that ceiling and paint all the cracks a different colour. I thought you were going to leave home instead. Yeah, well, I'm going to do that too. Uh, I think you just have to build up a, a really tremendous remote system. Yeah, I don't think that would go down too well. Unfortunately. So I think if I, if I start building the system up again, um, I'd be able to do that, but I can't do it here. Unfortunately. Oh, you mean um, certain people? Yes, would object violently. But would they know? Yeah. They'd know that the transmitter was turning itself on. Well, when they, when they come in to put something in the room, <laughs> and they hear, they hear the rig talking to itself, I think they might wake up and pull the fist. Yes, they like doing that. <laughs> um, Anyway, we continue with the, the Victoria story. The Agar story. Agar the story. Agar AML story. Which is merely my story because it's mm. going to eventuate turn into my story. Impressions of a 14-year-old. That's yes, right. chapter two. So I, so I set off one day with my little satchel over my arm. Well, that, that really... I met you... Oh, no, I haven't... I've said this to you before, actually, but it's interesting to tell you again. You've probably forgotten. Of course, you walked into the room. Now, I only knew this, knew this voice, a voice... Hmm. Oh, you've said it all before, but you haven't said it on here. So it's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, And a figure walked into the room. Yes. This is Tony. And 
No, it's just moving around the chair, so I turned the volume down. Uh-huh. So I wouldn't pin the limiter. <laughs> yes. So I, um, I immediately, of course, you were the wrong person. Because, as I always do, I performed a mental image of you and you're completely wrong. Yes. But you want me to tell you how I imagined you, because I can't yes. do that. I imagined you as you... I'm, I was sure that... I was 50% sure, I should say, that a bloke that I saw on the tram going to school was you. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of... He fitted the right mental image. Oh. He was about five foot four. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, by the way, headed towards my... Firm conviction that you can never tell anybody what anybody yeah, looks like yeah. by hearing them, mm. and this has followed through my whole life. And it's absolutely true. Mm. It's like when I thought that Mike three BHM was about forty-five years old. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> um, double chin and all that. That's right. Have that, but anyway. Three foot nothing. It yeah. doesn't really work. Mm. Um, sort of squinty eyes, glasses, short black hair. Um, oh, like Mike A's age. Yeah, a bit like Mike, Mike, Mike A's age, a lot shorter and sort of stumpier. Mm. Except not sort of medium build, mm. um, quite neat and quite shy. Now, I don't know why it was shy. Perhaps it was because you talked on the air all the time and didn't dare... Didn't dare walk out the front. That's right. <laughs> Which is probably quite true. Yes, I always wear my dark glasses when I go out the street. These were normal glasses, of course. And a very thick, long overcoat, which so goes right over my head. walked in, being short, even shorter than that, and fat, with funny, bluey-coloured hair, mm. I got a terrible shock. <laughs> yes, well, you would. And um, the fact that, you know... Well, if you told me you were coming on that particular day, I, w- I would have put the green rinse in, I mean... No, no, but the fact, look, the fact that you had three legs and not very much left of your head, I mean, it was embarrassing. Well, I can't help that. I mean, that's why I don't want to get into ATV. I wondered about that. Black that, and white. I was interested. I started building up a black and white really system. The reason? But as soon as the colour became the rage, I just thought, well, you know, <laughs> my green rinse wouldn't come out properly. My blue rinse wouldn't come out properly. So it's all very embarrassing. Oh, it was terrible. Um, so yeah. I got this terribly wrong impression, and uh, I had to change it. And luckily, sort of 15, 10 minutes later, you were, you were Tony, and that was all right. Oh. But of course, for those 10 minutes, you're on shaky ground, I can tell you. Oh. oh. Because you weren't you. Oh. Um, I don't think, I don't know what I did. I think I might have just had a bit of discussion with you. I really don't remember the, the actual text of the message, which is a bit of a pity, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there started my interest in amateur radio, and I attended the radio club at school more often, went on a few field days with them, um, sort of two metres AM, powered by. We built a set of four jetty motors on a steel chassis. You could hardly lift the thing. It drew about 60 amps, and we, we borrowed batteries from the uh, signals unit of the cadets and went on these field days. And it, was just, it was like taking a tank with you to, to talk, or a tank to, to talk to a, a mouse or something. Mm. It was so much fun. Mm. I've never had so much fun in my life, especially when it worked. Mm. And I really didn't build it. It was Max... Oh, I can't remember Max's call, but it was mainly Alan 3YCJ and Brian 3YBJ. Oh, are you? Both, both ended up in the, in the PMG somewhere. Where was that contact head from? Not a Chuka. Um... Oh, we did a number of them. What contact? contact. Well, I, I remember Kilt saying about um, a month or so back that he, he first worked you when you were ZMT or something. Oh, up at Achuka. Uh, up at Achuka with... Um, George. A couple of other people. One one with who the stew refers to as Grandma Hodge. <laughs> don't know who that was. Why Grandma? I don't know. Oh, people, people were talking before about people getting married. Oh. And this, this young 
Who to? A girl? I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's just such a shock to find people in my, that's like my friend Peter up in Sydney who got married, who, oh, that, I mean, that sort of puts you off. He's, I mean, he's, he's an amateur too. Oh. But, um, it's just, I mean, I'm not that old. It's such a pity to see people putting their foot in it. Well, that's, I mean, that's one reason, but then again, I, I believe in free expression if you, you know, if that's one, something you want to do, fair enough, but they're just, we're just so young. But so you, can, young. you can express yourself. Without going and doing that. But when I say express myself, I suppose I'm saying they, they should be able to do what they like. Actually, it's very hard if you meet the right girl. It's very hard, I can imagine, to resist doing it. I mean, uh, getting married, I mean. Oh, hang on. Uh, apologies for butting in. Who, who got married? Oh, dear. I go. <laughs> um, oh, he, well, he told me over Channel 1, so it was Martin for Catherine YJM. Really? That Grandma Hodge. Well, I found out at the beginning. Oh, no, I found out when I was going to Sydney in July. Is that Grandma Hodge, big? Pardon? Is that Grandma? Yeah. Oh. Why Grandma? I don't know. I just heard the. Oh, well, apparently there's a name he got at the RMIT. I was not listening. For always sort of going, yeah, you were doing this. Yeah, stop having fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I don't even know the guy, so I'm completely no, no, in the dark. No, well, no I, I, um, I actually met Martin right when I first got my licence because of 2 metres AM when I first worked him, even before he got his licence. Uh, Big no, you, you spotty little creature, why aren't you asleep? You should be asleep, Paul. Anyway, no, just, even if he was listening, I, I, I always liked Martin anyway. I've got to say these things, I can't tarnish my image. Um, but I was just really quite surprised because I suppose you imagine people you know as not being the marrying kind, like... Everybody I know from the marrying kind. That's right. I got quite a surprise when Ash got married. I practically fainted. Yeah. I mean... I mean, Ash. I mean, mean, Ash, yeah. He'd only known it for about six months. Really? Yeah. And he hadn't... He hadn't known anyone else before that. I was thinking about this other day. How did he meet her? Um, oh, what's... um, Cade was... um, Well, I suppose I can say this. Um, His boss's secretary... (laughs) <laughs> so it was, you know, that was how they met. Oh, that's sort of funny. Yeah. Oh, no, I've wanted to know that ever since he did, mm. because it's a... Things like that don't usually happen, actually. You know, it's pretty unusual. Like it's you, usually your secretary. That's I mean, you know, people that you meet at work are usually invariably accounted for or, you know, I'm terrible or... Mine are, the ones at my work are all terrible. Mm. Arrogance, but presuming again. Mm. Actually, a lot of them are married also. Well, if I haven't got a sense of humour, or you know, oh well, we mustn't. Well, we mustn't generalise too much. No, we won't generalise at all. No. Um, shut up, Tony. Shut up, Tony. Uh, shut, up, you, shut up, everyone. Right. You'll go in about three minutes. The log take will run out in about three minutes. Oh, that's good. I need to go to bed. Because oh. I'll get up quite late. It's a good enough reason for signing, I think. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good reason. Although we had an interesting conversation. Oh, mm. so my um, that's where my interest came from, and that was really fantastic. Those field days were so much fun. Tune in for a replay of this contact on the 30th of November this year and the 17th of January 1978. Oh, the date today, by the way, is Friday the 21st of October 1977. Right. And the time is... Um, zero to... What, about 19 or something? Yeah, something like that. Zero to 19. So... It's Australian Standard Time. And we've gone nearly two hours, so I'll have to start playing it at about uh, 
twelve. In a way, it's all right, I suppose. That's, it's, um, yeah, 12, 12, 19, I have to start playing it. 12, 19. To keep it in sync. <laughs> what do you have to keep it in? Oh, I get the time right here. Well, you gave a time call. Mm. Oh, you can play it at the same time another night. Mm, that's right. Sometimes it's the only way I can tell whether a contact's real or not. Mm. Now, actually, I can tell whether you have always have more treble on uh, direct. You'll be able to tell whether this one's real or not because it's recorded on track one of both sides on a very grotty BASF tape. Oh, well, we'll be able to tell. Mm. Um, we're going to... So that's how I started amateur radio. And I will live heavily ever after. I got my licence two years after that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You were a pirate for, what, 18 months? <laughs> no, I wasn't actually. <laughs> I was, um... Now, damn it. <laughs> the hollow laughter <laughs> <laughs> no I was for a short time but only I was very I was a very scared pirate mm. um, I never uh, I, I I must admit I remember gleefully did your talking. door just open no oh. I'll, I'll lean back in my chair did your chair just squeak yep yeah. I um, I remember gleefully talking to an amateur on 160 and realising that he had absolutely no idea that I was a pirate you went <laughs> Poor Ken, you sucker, Ken. Actually, I think it might have been Ken. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but it was, it was a real achievement because it meant that I'd, whatever I'd learnt, I'd learnt well enough to sound like an amateur. Yeah. I think luckily my voice had broken by that stage. Oh, yes. But so I was still obviously pretty young. You're talking like a G. No, yes. but I was obviously pretty young, yeah. as I am. Yes, it's gone down quite a few days at the moment, but uh, once you get to about 50 or 60 and something starts to settle in, it'll go up several octaves. Well, that's only because I think your vocal cords get tighter. Yes, uh, they will too. That's because you drink so much. Don't people who've been sort of drinking heavily all their lives, you can tell, you sort of look at their face. And all the little veins and capillaries are all standing out. And they have that sort of reddish colour, even when they're not drinking. Yeah, I, yes, I know what you mean. Mm, that's, the old red-nose syndrome. Unpleasant subject, but I'll just... Mm. Yes, I must prefer to get a red nose out in the sun. Yes, likewise. Um, the... You keep getting off the subject, Tony. What's the subject? I don't know. Oh. I, I finished a bit about how I met you. Hmm. So how do we get onto that? Um, when I when it does get late at night after, are you bringing a start on him? I do forget. Yes, what, you'll you'll have to where knock, I am or knock off this drinking you'll, business. How's your flavouring situation? You got plenty of chocolate. It is deadly. I think I was always afraid of you know having too high an intake of sugar because of course it's pretty bad stuff. You can get a pot from it. A yeah. beer pot. Well, oh, but also you can get it just a um, get fat. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Which, um, but a beer pot is uh, your liver. Is it? Mm. Those guys, I think it's your liver. Is that the right organ? Is that the organ that... Um, How can your liver fill 